You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. It is meant... Oh, I forgot there's one more person here. (laughs) You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. I'm Tiffany Manor. It is Mental Health Monday, and we are continuing our conversation with Dr. Saunders today. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin, for supporting the Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. Joining us today, Dr. Saunders is the endowed distinguished professor of psychology at Marquette University, also author of Martin Luther on Mental Health, Practical Advice for Christians Today from Concordia Publishing House. Dr. Saunders, welcome back to the Coffee Hour. Thank you. Delighted to be here. Dr. Saunders is a professional clinical psychologist and very pleased to offer ideas and suggestions about mental health and mental health problems. One of his most important pieces of advice is to get professional help when you need it. Nothing said in this series should be taken as therapy or treatment or as a substitute for personal consultation with a professional. Dr. Saunders, we've talked a little bit about some of the practical aspects. We're going to dig into more of the history today from your book, Martin Luther on Mental Health. Um, When did you first learn about Martin Luther's experience with mental health problems? You know, that, that's interesting. I, I have a two-volume set from Northwestern Publishing, Wells, Wisconsin Synod. And it's really, I, I call it everything I have ever learned about mental illness. You know, the first volume describes the mental illnesses. The second volume describes what causes them and how they're treated, the mental system. And while I was writing those books and doing a lot of research for them, I came across some writings, letters, you know, by Martin Luther that he wrote to other people. And when I, as I say in the preface of this book, when I read what he wrote, I realized, oh gosh, I'm going to have to write another book based on what Luther said. Now, Luther gave very modern advice. He basically said to people, beware of your thinking because your thinking can be wrong and your thinking, your wrong thinking might lead you to be depressed or anxious or whatever. And he, he, he told people, he gave them behavioral advice. He said, even if you're depressed, you know, especially when you're depressed, go do fun things. And, you know, and, and Luther as probably a lot of us know, he seemed to enjoy doing fun things. At least he enjoyed his beer and he, <laughs> he, he, you know, so many, so many paintings or drawings of him playing, playing the lute, I guess it was, or singing or, you know, and he would, he advised people, you know, go, go hunting, you know, don't, don't let this, don't let this depression direct your behavior. Again, when I read these, I'm, I thought to myself, I just gave that advice yesterday to a depressed person. We call that behavioral activation. So, so that was kind of my, and then I start to talk to people about Luther and I kept hearing, you know, Luther had his own mental health problems and I was, you know, it's, I heard it often, heard it from people I greatly respect, but you know, was also a bit skeptical, you know, a bit skeptical because, you know, I I was born and raised Catholic until I fell away from Catholicism. And I don't know if you know this, but the Catholics don't always think much of Martin Luther. So, (laughs) so, so I was skeptical. Okay. Is this just, you know, is this just people 
saying this about Martin Luther. And then I started to research for the book here and I realized, oh no, actually he, he himself says, says as much. I mean, you guys have heard this about him as well. I'm guessing that Luther, Luther experienced mental health problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. In in a, a variety of places. How is yeah. his experience how is that experience like in the Renaissance era? In the in the era where when Martin Luther lived, what what was the understanding of mental health and mental health problems during that time? It, it the the understanding of illness in general was based on fifteen hundred year old research, if we can call it that, by a fellow fellow by the name of Galen. You know, we're, we, we, we refer to Hippocrates as the, the father of medicine, and medical doctors still take the, the Hippocratic Oath. Hippocrates didn't write it, but, you know, they, based on what he said, they created this, this Hippocratic Oath, I will do no harm, I'll do what's best for my patients, you know, not serve myself when, when treating my patient. Galen actually was much, much more influential. You've, you know, we, you've heard of the the so-called humor, the four humors of, you know, these are, these are literally sort of liquids or fluids inside of us. And Galen, based on stuff that he'd read, and this is, again, this is uh, before the era of Christ, uh, before the Christian era, but Galen, based on what he'd read from Egyptian scholars, said, "Well, there's four humors. There's phlegm, which we call spit or saliva. There's blood. There's yellow bile, and there's black bile. And the idea was that someone in good health has the proper balance of these four humors." And, and just, just a couple examples, you know, we, we know a, a choleric person, a choleric person is someone who gets angry easily, right? But this is a term we still use today. Well, choleric is yellow bile, cholera. We, we still use that term. How about melancholia? Oh, yeah. Melancholia is depression. And still hear people refer to, you know, I feel melancholic or literally you can find research in psychiatry, psychology journals, use the word melancholy or melancholia, which was the term for depression, still in Luther's day. And the, the, that's melan, melanco, melan, melan, <laughs> it's from black bile. <laughs> Can't say the word. So, so too much black bile causes people to be melancholic or depressed. And, uh, and of course, let's not forget bloodletting. You know, bloodletting is literally something that physicians used to do. And that was to get rid of the excess blood in someone's body to bring them back to health. Now, weirdly enough... You, you let out enough blood from somebody and they fall asleep. Hopefully they don't die, but they definitely get sort of sleepy. And, and, and the physician said, well, look at that. I, 
sleep is good for people and I, now they're sleeping. And, and so literally we had bloodletting through the 1700s and pretty sure that actually first president of the United States, George Washington probably died because he caught a cold and his doctor came in and let out some of his blood literally opened up a vein and bled it with some blood. And, and, and then another doctor did the same until finally, you know, the, the elderly George Washington actually died from bloodletting. So, wow. so no, medicine wasn't so good back then. So I'm feeling the, a little lightheaded now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you mentioned the, the various colors of bile and the bloodletting. I mean, was that the letting of blood? Was that really the only treatment from physicians and, and medical doctors to care for people with mental illness? I mean, were there other things they were doing to provide treatment or care? Uh, yeah, we, you know, they also had them ingest, swallow certain things, which would either be, I'm trying to be gentle here for Andy's sake. Uh, which, <laughs> which would either be regurgitated, meaning promptly mm. expelled to get rid of some of that. I don't know what it would that be yellow bile. I'm not even sure. Certainly, certainly some phlegm, or you know, it would it would exit the body um, on the other exit, and uh, you know, also seen as a a good thing. And and Luther has written some some hilarious i don't think he meant to be hilarious but luther said you know the the physicians at at so and so they treated me as if i were a great bull as in you know a, a great bull they they jammed all this stuff in me and he said it was miserable he said so well, so luther writes pretty honestly i mean he's he's yeah. he can be a little graphic <laughs> yeah yeah so so medicine and, and that was medicine, mental health, really, you know, even more, even more mysterious. You know, having said that, you know, generally physicians were very compassionate towards Galen himself was, you know, again, 1500 years earlier, Galen himself was very, very sympathetic, compassionate towards those with, with mental health problems. I think probably bloodletting was fairly common. Again, you know, picture picture someone with with serious mental illness where they're act and, and, and the vast majority of persons with mental illness aren't like this, but but a person with psychosis, they're hearing things, they're seeing things, they're agitated. And we don't they didn't have back then the medications like we have now. They didn't have the hospitals that we have now. So but it, you know, hold the person down take some blood out of their body, they calm down because, like Andy said, suddenly they're very lightheaded. They're, 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 they're a lot less energetic. And lo and behold, it works. I have no doubt that that type of thing happened, but there was really no understanding of, of mental health problems. The best that they had, that is the, 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 the most direct knowledge they had of the influence of the brain, we know from the fact that people wore helmets when they went into battle. They learned pretty quickly in battles that getting struck on the head, even if it doesn't kill you, really affects you greatly maybe for the rest of your life. And so we see 
everyone wearing helmets. But that's about as close as we got to understanding, you know, the, how, how the, the importance of the brain. And it took a long time before we, you know, really into the 20th century before we really started to understand some of this stuff more clearly. We have more to learn about this subject as we talk about mental health problems and mental illness with Dr. Stephen Saunders today here on Mental Health Monday on the Coffee Hour. We'll do that in just a moment. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Agulseth. I'm Tiffany Manor. At Concordia University, Wisconsin, we believe you were created for a reason to use your God-given gifts to help others, to live a life of self-sacrifice in a me-first world, to live a life that's uncommon. Whether you're taking one of 50-plus online programs or learning with us in person on the shores of Lake Michigan, you'll be equipped to make an uncommon impact. Learn more at cuw.edu. Concordia University, Wisconsin. Live uncommon. Welcome back to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. I'm Tiffany Manor. It is Mental Health Monday. We're talking with Dr. Stephen Saunders, professor of psychology at Marquette University and also author of Martin Luther on Mental Health, Practical Advice for Christians Today from Concordia Publishing House. Uh, talking about the era in which Luther lived and um, yeah. the understanding yeah. or maybe misunderstanding of health and particularly medicine and mental health at that time uh, certainly has has changed over, you know, a few eras um, to where we are today. Still not, I, I don't know, we still probably have lots to learn about medicine and mental health even today. But going back to the, the time of Martin Luther, um, even with that limited understanding of mental health and mental illness, how did Luther care for souls experiencing mental health problems and mental illness? And, and, and I know we're, we'll dedicate another whole episode to talking about some of the terms that he used then, but what was his general approach to caring for these souls that, that faced mental health problems and mental illness. That I, I think it's important for listeners to understand the, you know, the, the, they didn't use the term mental illness back then. You know, they literally used it. And, and we use the term probably much more broadly. You know, they, they spoke of lunacy. You know, how do we understand mental illness? You know, well, lunacy comes from lunar, which is the moon, which is literally thinking that the, when the moon is up, you know, they, they knew the moon affected the tides of the oceans. So the moon had clearly is pulling on people. So there might be this thing related to, you know, the, the, the influence of the moon causing people to act so irrationally persons it's it's always interesting to talk about the you guys have heard of trephination trephination is drilling a hole in someone's head ouch mm -hmm. to to allow the evil spirit causing them to act this way to leave i i just like to point out that even no matter how sick you are, no matter how disconnected from reality you are, having psychosis, what we now call schizophrenia, 
go through that and you're going to realize, oh, I better not say that out loud anymore, or I better not act like that anymore. So, so, but th th these are some of the ways that mental illness were treated. Most commonly, again, these are the se severe mental illnesses, which is really all we understood that mental illness was. We didn't really count depression or anxiety as even though this is, we, now we say it's 80% of persons with mental illness, because it is. Um, but back then, you know, we used the term melancholia, um, which covered probably both depression and anxiety. But mostly it was how do we care for persons with, who, who can't care for themselves, who are a danger to themselves, to others. They, they're not able to feed themselves. They're not able to think clearly. They're not able to contribute to work on the farm. You know, they're, they, you know, they're, they're wandering. They're, they're, they, they don't take themselves in at night when it's cold. The best we could do for persons with that severe type of mental illness, and so, sometimes even today, the best we can do is just keep them inside, feed them, don't let them leave. You know, we, we refer to that as institutions or institutionalization. It was really the best we could do. And Luther, you know, was pretty open about that. Luther, though, expanded it. I think one of Luther's tremendous insights, although it really didn't get much traction for a couple hundred years, but his insight into realizing, no, you know, people with severe depression, melancholia, as he called it, as was called back then, as everyone called it, Luther realized, no, this is actually, this is worth paying attention to as well. And we have a lot of his writings to people who had these issues that he, where he gave advice, which is again, so, so the, I'm, I'm saying kind of two things. Luther realized it's not just the, 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 the florid, the very obvious cases of persons with the dangerous persons, the person talking to themselves, yelling at other people you know, hurting themselves, not keeping themselves safe. It's not just them. It's actually, you know, the prince in this far, far off city, or it's this wife of a good friend of mine, that, that one of the best friends of my wife, Katie, they're experiencing not that, but what they're going through is worth paying attention to. And Luther had a lot of advice in that regard. Do we know some of the things that he was saying to people, some of the, the spiritual care that he was giving to these people? It's it, a really interesting question because the first thing he did was spiritual care. Mm. And he did, he did mention, he did say a lot of stuff that a modern mental health professional, such as me, such as Tiffany, would say to someone, you know, be aware of what you're thinking, be aware of what you're doing. You know, there's this specific advice that we've learned, you know, Andy, when you went through crisis training or mental health training, you know, there's some basic things that there's some things that Luther said that are very, very useful. But every letter he started with catechism that I'm so sorry that God is allowing you to go through this or I'm so sorry that he even said he, he, paradoxical for sure said can said to some said pretty often, consider yourself blessed that the Lord considers you worthy to suffer so. That's pretty bold advice. So 
he did give advice, but it was, you know, he always started and ended with, you know, a reminder that, you know, God loves you. And back to our discussion last week about stigma, you know, you know, the, you know, Luther was pretty explicit in attacking stigma, maybe not saying don't stigmatize, but Luther was pretty explicit in attacking the notion that your suffering is because of your weak faith. Quite the opposite. God loves you so much that he has led you to suffer. He said, you know, God hates it when our suffering causes us to despair, but he loves our suffering when it causes us to, causes us to flee to the cross of Christ, the theology of the cross. So... How is this uh, similar or different from how the church in general at that time was dealing with mental illness? Was it, it was, was what Martin Luther was doing in line with how the, the rest of the church was dealing with mental health? I think Luther was fairly unique. You know, I, I confess I didn't did. I did not look at the entire church, the Catholic church, especially, but I, but my, I think primarily what the church was doing and really we have to attribute this to the catholic church to the church as as being some of the most compassionate care offered which again was bring them into the hospital bring them into this place keep them safe keep them warm keep them fed and and you know try to you know you know, try to care for them as best as can happen. Um, persons with depression, persons with anxiety, I think Luther, I think Luther was unique in his insight into what they needed to hear. Luther, what Luther said was, I, I have this theory, and I, you know, I have to wait till I meet Luther in heaven, and I can ask him if I'm right. <laughs> but Luther's theological, Luther said, I, I developed my insight. I had this insight into what the Bible was actually saying when I started to think clearly about what Paul wrote to the Romans. Paul wrote, the righteousness of God is revealed in it, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Luther said explicitly, when I read what Paul wrote to the Romans, I despaired to the point that I hated God because Luther was thinking, righteous God punishes sinners. And it terrified Luther because Luther knew he was a sinner and could not stop sinning. And so then Luther, and again, he writes this himself in several different places. Luther says, when I realize that the righteousness of God is actually a gift that God gives us, and it's, he gives us our faith, and through faith, he gives us his, the righteousness earned by his son's death on the cross. Luther says, it was as if I was released from hell. He says, I, I felt like I had entered this beautiful garden. In various ways that he describes it in various places. He was so relieved. He changed the way he was thinking about what he was reading. 
he changed what he was thinking about what Paul wrote. I think Luther applies that to persons with mental health problems, depression, anxiety. He says to them, be careful what you're thinking. I said this earlier. Don't think to yourself that you're being punished by God. Don't think that to yourself because God doesn't do that. Don't think to yourself that you deserve this. Don't think to yourself that that somehow you are weak or or somehow that your faith isn't strong enough. Think none of those things. Rather, ask others what they are thinking about your situation. Talk to others. Tell them what you're thinking. Correct your thinking. So he's saying one, a couple of different things. And we, nowadays we call this cognitive therapy. Realize that you have thoughts. Realize that your thoughts lead you to feel a certain way. When Luther thought God's righteousness meant he was damned to hell, he was scared and angry. When Luther thought God's righteousness is something that we are given freely, Luther was joyful. Thoughts, Luther, Luther said, as a cognitive therapist says, beware of your thoughts. Beware that your thoughts influence how you feel. Beware that your thoughts can be incorrect. Ask others about your thinking. Tell them what you're thinking. You know, I, I can't tell you how many clients I've talked to who basically acknowledge, you know, I, I think no one loves me. I love to tell the story of the young mother who came in and said, I'm pretty, I think my husband isn't sexually attracted to me. She was pregnant. She had two young kids and I couldn't help myself. I said, I'm pretty sure he is. I think you might be thinking incorrectly there. So correct your thinking. Correct thinking leads to more, more, if we would, correct feeling. It is not that you're unlovable. It is not that God is punishing you. So Luther emphasized a lot the way that people think. He emphasized this in his letters. I tried to document that in the book. And it's just wonderfully modern advice. He also, he also emphasized um, what people are doing um, and how they can act in a way to, how they can behave in a way to improve their, their mental health as well. Both are deeply insightful. And I think, I think actually unique to Luther. I, I've not seen many such writings other places. Our guest today, Dr. Stephen Saunders, professor of psychology at Marquette University and author of Martin Luther on Mental Health, Practical Advice for Christians Today from Concordia Publishing House. Dr. Saunders, thanks for being our guest today. Thank you very much. You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. I'm Tiffany Manor. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support The Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you. Anytime. Anywhere. Anywhere.